Well, tonight, our life-shaped prayer and discipleship, we're on block five, as I said, sacrifice. And our key scripture for tonight is in Romans, the sixth chapter in verse 23. And so uh, you can follow along if you like, but I'll put the uh, scriptures up on the screen so that you can see them. And uh, Romans, the sixth chapter, verse 23, picks up where we left off with block four last week. You remember we talked about sin and separation in, in, in part four. Sin and separation. Sin separates. Okay? Now, the Bible clearly tells us that there is only one God and that this one God created everything from things that we don't imagine. That his account is true. And for us to be a believer, we must believe God. And that when God created the heavens and the earth, he also made provision for man. He created man just like him. And man, he created our bodies of the dust of the ground, breathed into our nostrils a breath of life, and we became a living soul. Man, one man, we're one person, but we're in three parts. And we were designed like God, and we will exist forever. That's the truth. You know, you will exist forever. And we had the question that you will exist forever, but where? Where will you exist? Well, that's dependent upon a choice that you must make. You see, because when sin entered into the Garden of Eden, through that subtle conversation that the serpent had with Eve, a seed of separation was planted in Eve's mind. And there it began to grow in her imaginations. As she watered it and thought about it and considered it and looked at it, she considered, the Bible says she looked at this tree, she realized the fruit was, was, was desirable, and she wanted what it promised. But we talked about the fact that sin can never keep its promises. Sin takes us farther than we expected to go, keeps us longer than we wanted to stay, and costs us more than we are able to pay. And when Eve embraced sin, that seed of separation was born. And man was separated. Man... Sin separates man from man. You know, Adam and Eve were separated. You remember? They realized they were naked and they, and, and they uh, made aprons of fig leaves and sewed them together and put them on. It was the very first time that they were separated. Sin separates us from one another. Sin separated them from God. Adam and Eve immediately hid from God in the Garden of Eden. When God came that day in the cool of the evening to walk with them, they hid. It was the very first time. Why? Because sin separates. It separates us from fellowship with one another. It separates us from relationship with one another. They were innocent, and, uh, you know, uh, and all of a sudden, they became ashamed. They became ashamed of themselves and they no longer were innocent when it came to one another. And it separated man from man, separated man from God. And then if you read on farther down in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible tells us that they were driven out of the garden. God put them out of his plan for their life. He put them out of this garden of rest, of this garden of perfection, of this garden of care. 
everything that God created for them to enjoy, all of the blessings that God had reserved for them, they moved out of. And it became Adam's chore then to work and till the ground by the sweat of his brow, no longer caretaking the blessings of God, but now working for his own blessings. Working, and, and, and instead of the fruit and the ground yielding its strength and its blessings, even Adam was separated from the blessings of the earth. So he had to work for his blessings. He had to work and pursue them, and up from the ground would come thorns and thistles instead of fruit in occasion, because the end enemy was allowed access to everything that man had been destined to have dominion over. Well, sin separates. And we talked about that sin also not only separates us from one another, sin separates us from God, sin separates us from the blessings of this life, but sin also separates us eternally from the presence of the Lord. And do you know what? There was absolutely nothing you could do about it. Nothing you could do. Nothing. You, when you were born, were separated from God. You were destined by your birth of a carnal nature to be separated from people no longer to enjoy that intimacy of relationship that allows you to be one with others. You're separated from one another. Nothing you could do about it. You were going to run into people the rest of your life that you didn't like, that rubbed you the wrong way, and you never wanted to see again. Those are separations. You were separated even from the animal kingdom. The fear and the dread of, of mankind even separated from the animals. Sin brought separation. And there's nothing you could do about it. You were destined to be separated from God eternally. And you would live forever. You would exist forever separated from God. Well, that's what sin does. That's what sin caused. And sin is alive today. Sin has two powers we talked about last week. The power to damn a soul to hell and the power not only to damn a soul but to control and to govern your life in this life and then in the next life to separate you from God separating you from blessings in this life and from God forever. And there's nothing that man could do about it. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 tonight says this, For the wages of sin is death. Let's hold right there. I know there's another part to that scripture, but let's hold there for just a moment. You know, we all have sinned. You have sinned. I have sinned. We all have sinned. And sin separates. Separates from one another, from God, from uh, the blessings in this life, from eternity, okay, with God. And you have sinned. And the wages, what you get paid for sin is death. Death to the blessings, death to the relationships you could have with, with other humans, with other individuals, and death. To eternity with God. But yet, God so loved the world that God was unwilling to be separated from his children forever. He was not willing for that to happen, but he knew there was nothing you could do about it. 
He was unwilling to go through eternity separated from his children, separated from his creation. He was unwilling for you to go through eternity separated from the blessings that he had prepared for you. He was unwilling for you to live in this life not knowing the relationship that you could have with one another, the relationship that you could have with him and the blessings that you could receive. He was unwilling to just judge you for sin. So, he gave his only begotten son because there was nothing you could do about it. But there was something he could do about it. But it would cost him his very best. You see, sin requires death. The wages of sin is death. You will die eternally and still not pay your debt to sin or else someone else had to pay it for you. You see, because the Bible says in Hebrews 9, verse 22, and I would encourage you to read all of Hebrews 9 and all of Hebrews 10 to get a glimpse of how these scriptures set there in context. But for the sake of our time tonight, Hebrews 9, 22, and according to the law, Almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no purification. There is no cleansing from our sin, from our stain of sin, from the transgression. There is no remission of our sins. There's no washing away, no cleansing, no purifying of sin. Only blood can cleanse the stain of sin. That's why in Genesis chapter 3, whenever Adam and Eve had sinned, God had to do something for them. They could not do anything for themselves. So God, when he told them that they would no longer be living in the ultimate plan that he had for their life, a plan without sin, God knew he needed to cover them. It was a temporary covering until God could send one payment for all sin forever. The best God could do was to temporarily cover sin. Cover sin for a season, but in no way would it last for eternity. Eternity would require a perfect sacrifice. But God instituted a temporary sacrifice for a season until a perfect sacrifice could be made. And in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, the Bible says this, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics or clothes, covering. The Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now he's not talking about the skin that we have here. He made tunics. Literally, this is like a cloak to replace a robe, to replace the sewed together fig leaves. Man tried to cover his sin, didn't work, wouldn't work. 
It would not allow God to see man clean. It allowed man to hide from man, but man could still not hide from God. God did not want man hiding. He wanted man clean, and only blood would take care of it. Where would you imagine God got these skins to cover man, Adam and Eve? Of course, it's not a far stretch of the imagination of the understanding that some animal paid with their life for the sins of man to temporarily cover the sin until God could take care of it eternally. No doubt, God sacrificed except a sacrifice. He sacrificed an animal, used the blood to cover the sin, accepted that sacrifice, and covered man with the skin. And from that point forward, man continued to offer to God sacrificial blood of animals, bulls and goats and sheep. It even started as early as Adam's first son and second son. You remember they were offering sin offerings. They were sacrificing to God. Even early on, Abel and Cain were found bringing sacrificial offerings to God, appeasing a God that never wanted sacrifice. He did not want sacrifice, but was forced in some way to cover sin temporarily so he could continue to bless, so that he could continue to look upon man he needed to cover. You see, when he looks through the red stain of the blood on your sin, he sees you clean. That's the temporary covering that animal blood for a season offered. God instituted a ritual sacrifice of animals for temporary reprieve. It was not his will, but it was of a necessity so he could continue to interact with man. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, continues with verse 1 and says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come. What law? He's talking about the law of Moses. The law of Moses was a law of sacrifice for sin to cover man temporarily. Each year, sin offerings were offered by the priest, but they were just a shadow of the good things to come. It was a shadow set in stone, immovable, and, 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 and you know, uh, uh, unrelenting and unable to permanently permanently pardon, but only gave temporary reprieve. This law of sacrifice was a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things, but this shadow could never, uh, with these same sacrifices, bloods of bulls and goats, could never, uh, with these same sacrifices, which they offered continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. It was never, the blood of bulls and goats were never able to perfect man. Never intended to make man perfect again. It was never intended to bring about a born again experience in mankind. The blood was not that powerful. The blood of bulls and goats would not last that long. The blood of bulls and goats were temporary measures so that God could give a reprieve of judgment on planet earth waiting for a period of time when a perfect sacrifice. These were just shadows of the 
the good things to come, but they could never make man perfect. Verse 4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin, could permanently remove sin. It was impossible. And the Bible continues, if you were to read, it says, For if it had have been possible, they would not have ceased to have been offered. But they have ceased now. Why? Because something better has taken their place. Who? It's Jesus. The Bible tells us in verse 12, But this man, speaking of Jesus, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. You see, God would only accept perfect, pure blood. Only the pure blood of a perfect sacrificial lamb could bring about a permanent reprieve of sin, could take sin away. In the meantime, we see in the Old Testament priest continually offering sacrifice for sin and every year being reminded of this sin. It was impossible for this blood to cleanse the consciousness or else they would not cease to have been offered. But Jesus, after he had offered himself one sacrifice for all sin forever, the pure blood of the Lamb, the perfect Lamb of God, it took away the sin of the world. And God ended up with a gift in His hand, a gift that He did not have before Jesus offered Himself willingly as a Lamb without blemish and His blood as payment for your sin. That's why Romans 6.23 has a second part. The first part we read, for the wages of sin is death. Sin costs death. Your eternal death or else the death of a perfect, pure, acceptable sacrifice. The wages of sin is death, but the gift You see, God has a gift in His hand. The gift of God is eternal life through or in or because of or by Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, there is but one sacrifice for sin. The blood of bulls and goats were offered for a season, but that season has passed. Now God has accepted a perfect, holy, pure lamb without spot and without blemish. And the blood of the lamb gave God a gift in his hand, a gift that he can freely give to all who come to him. Our important points tonight to remember is that sin requires death. Only blood can satisfy sin. Sin requires death. Only blood can satisfy sin. The very best that the impure blood 
of man can do. The very best that the impure blood of animals could do would never last in eternity. Point number two, man's impure blood is insufficient payment for sin. You see, still, there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. This is why the gospel message is so important. It's because all have sinned, Romans 3.23 says. You have sinned, I have sinned. You have sinned, everyone has fallen short of the perfection that God requires. The blood of bulls and goats could not make us perfect again. Only a pure sacrifice could. Verse three, uh, point number three. Animal sacrifice only achieved temporary reprieve. God never intended that man should have to offer sacrifice for sin. He intended for man to not sin. Isaiah chapter 1 the prophet records God as being upset with sacrifices. Basically, in chapter 1 of Isaiah, God says this, I hate your sacrifices. They are a stench in my nostrils. For when you bring a sacrifice to me at your new moons and at your festivals and at your feast, when you offer to me a sacrifice, it is only a reminder to me that we are separated by your sin. When you bring a sacrifice to me, it's only a reminder to me that you have sinned. I hate your sacrifice. God was angry, but he's angry no more. Because he's no longer reminded by us bringing sacrifice year after year. Because he, 2,000 years ago, accepted one sacrifice for all sin forever. Point number four. Only one sacrifice is sufficient to satisfy the eternal debt of sin. You cannot pay it by any means. You cannot work to satisfy God. It's not about your work. It's about your sin. It's not even about the sin you do. It's about the sinner you are. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be made perfect. But only one sacrifice is sufficient to satisfy the eternal debt of sin. Point number five, Jesus willingly died for you. He willingly laid down his life. The Son of God, Messiah promised to the Jewish nation, a Savior promised to the Gentiles, a Lord that was given from heaven, the Word of God taking upon flesh and dwelling among us, Son of God, Son of Man, the only sacrifice God would accept, not only pays for us to be born again and made perfect in God's eyes again, in this life blessed and in the life to come joined to God, 
Point number six, God has a gift in his hand. It's a free gift he has for you. Won't you accept this free gift? How do you know that you're saved? How do you know if you died, you'd go to heaven? I'm going to pray a prayer with you. If you'll sincerely pray this prayer with me, mean it from your heart, you will be saved. And you'll know that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I realize that I have sinned against you, but I am willing to repent. I choose to repent, to turn away from being a sinner. And right this moment, I open the door of my heart and I take you, Lord Jesus, into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you. Fill me, Lord Jesus, with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, it's very important that you contact us because we have some information to help you get started in your Christian life. I would like to write a letter to you so that you can know how to win your friends and your family to Christ. And then we'll send you other information to help you get started. So here it is. Remember, realize that you've sinned against God, choose to repent, and receive Jesus into your life. Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, or her that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So if you come to Him, He will not cast you out. You can know Him and know that you're saved and know if you died, you'd go to heaven. And then share that with others. It's so important that we be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. So call us or email us. Please let us have contact with you so that we'll be able to help you along the way in your Christian life. Find a good Bible-believing, praising, worshiping church and join that church so you'll have a pastor to help you as you go along in your Christian life. God bless you. I believe that God is going to do great things in your life.